Uh, my name is Jesse Johannesson. I'll do an intro in a minute. Welcome, welcome. And, uh, and it's funny because uh, Pastor Justin, he'll give an introduction. He, he's really the breakout <laughs> session leader. And then we show up and, uh, and it says just my name. So uh, you guys are going to be thankful that um, Pastor Justin gets to be a part of this and that he's leading the way. So, um, but we want to say, but my name's, uh, like I said, my name is Jesse Johannesson. Uh, I work with Justin Mack. Uh, we're both at River Valley working in missions. Welcome, guys. Come on in. And uh, it's just a privilege of, of a lifetime. I'll let you share too, and we can set the tone a little bit. But yeah, sounds good. We're just going to keep this super casual. So if at any point uh, you have a question, feel free to just raise your hand, and we'll just kind of see how the conversation goes. But the whole idea of this session is just to uh, maybe throw out some ideas or some examples or things that uh, we have incorporated as we've learned from other churches and other contexts, how to just create a missions culture or a global-hearted uh, culture at a, in a local church. Uh, there's a lot of different things that obviously a local church is involved with and focuses on, uh, but we feel like having a global heart, uh, focusing on the Great Commission is a really key part. Uh, uh, of the life of a disciple, of a, of a follower of Jesus Christ. And so um, just thought maybe to give you a little context, we could just introduce ourselves and maybe a little bit of our heart and passion for this area. And then uh, we can kind of jump, jump into uh, more of the content. Um, and like I said, our goal is to just give some nuggets of ideas. So whether you're a staff or you're a volunteer or what role you serve, uh, you can maybe take some of these nuggets of ideas and say, oh, we could incorporate that into our context. Uh, maybe it looks a little different, but maybe some ideas just to spur each other on to build a more robust uh, missions culture in your church. Uh, so, Jesse, why don't you maybe give a little bit of your passion yeah. for missions and maybe where that uh, came from yeah. for you? Absolutely. And we want to say thank you just for me to share the same thing. Thank you for being here. Just showing uh, whatever you your either role or interest is uh, in this, uh, I think it's a it's a way of leaning in and something all of us are. Uh, I don't think it's just a, it's a status. It's really a uh, it's a journey and a trajectory to say this is something I'm going to continually lean into uh, with my life and what I do in the kingdom. So thank you for being here. Uh, my name is Jesse Johannesson. I've been at River Valley serving as a pastor for about seven years, uh, and uh, but I'm newer in this role. So about seven months is all working in. Specifically in, we call it Global Project. That's our, our missions department at River Valley is what we call it. Uh, and so just getting, just getting started into that, but I would say uh, it's really, to, to, to be brief with this, but to share, it really feels like the culmination of, uh, or at least the next step of what God's been leading our family as we've explored. Are we supposed to go in, onto the field? Are we, we've just been leaning more and more into missions and realizing that, uh, that God is wanting more of our lives and more of our time and investment into this. And so uh, it's kind of led, uh, it's led me, led our family to, uh, to joining in the efforts at River Valley more uh, full-time in this area. So um, come on in if you're looking for the mission session, you're good. And so just, just letting us jump into this. So my wife and I, uh, her name is Renee. We've been married, uh, it'll be 15 years this year. We've got three kids, uh, eight, uh, 11, eight, and two. So just to keep things interested. We are very interested in having kids at our house for a long time, I guess. So that's what we, we, so we've, we've ensured that's going to be the case. So, um, but yeah, I get to, get to serve alongside, uh, Justin Mack and we, um, 
and, and at, a, at a church like River Valley, we get to support all of our campuses and all of our settings, but really we see what we do as um, just truly, truly and, and uh, just a privilege and kind of a great honor. So let me just throw out this qualifier. If, if you didn't realize that you stepped into the missions room and you're like, oh, how do I leave? It's all right. If you need to go to another room, we're not going to judge you. If you accidentally wandered into the wrong room, you could pretend you have to go to the bathroom or forgot something. Your phones, we're not judging. It's all good. You go to where you need to be. Uh, we won't take it personal or uh, anything there. But uh, I grew up as a third generation Assemblies of God uh, PK. My dad was a AG pastor all of his life until he retired just a few years ago. My grandpa was. And, uh, and so I remember many missionaries coming and speaking at my parents' church, my grandparents' church. And, uh, and as was the tradition, uh, they would come into our home and sit around a dinner table. And uh, I was just, even as a kid, fascinated by the stories of people that had never heard the gospel and missionaries going to share that. And then when I was uh, 15, 16 years old, uh, I had the opportunity to go on my first AIM trip. Um, and uh, went to Lima, Iquitos, Peru. And at the time, I thought it was a lot of fun. It was. It was genuinely just a really fun trip uh, because my brother and uh, my best friend was on the trip, and it was just a great trip. But I didn't know how, like, marking and life-transforming and heart-shifting and worldview-setting that trip was going to be when I look back at the trajectory of my life. Like, that started something like the Great Commission was no longer a story somebody else was talking about, but it was something that was like personal to me. Like it was some like I knew some faces, I knew some names, I, and and it just started this journey in my life and heart. Went to Bible college, uh, moved up to Minnesota after Bible college, actually go to law school to use that as a trade for missions, um, and then. Uh, Started going to law school and realized that God brought me up to Minnesota for something different. Started working at a missions organization, and then I met uh, Pastor Rob Ketterling, who's our lead pastor at River Valley, on a mission trip to China. And it was on that trip that I heard his passion and vision for missions. He was like, I want to give away hundreds of thousands of dollars. I want to send people on trips all around the world to just open their eyes and open their heart. And I want to support dozens and dozens of missionaries. And that was 20-something years ago. And so now to see, I've been on staff for 15 years in the area of missions, and to now see a vision to raise up and send out 500 missionaries. We've, done, we've sent 178 so far to give millions and millions and millions of dollars every single year and um, see teams crisscrossing the globe virtually every single week is just a, a vision come true, a dream come true. And, uh, and I would say it was always in the heart of Pastor Rob, but I don't know that we necessarily had a structure, a strategy to get into the hearts of everyone in our church. I think there's a lot of leaders that it's in their heart. They want this. But are you building an intentional structure and strategy within your church like you do for maybe women's ministry or men's ministry or kids' ministry or youth ministry um, to see the Great Commission be embraced and lived out within the people in your church. And, and the thing about it is, it's not just a Pastor Rob River Valley thing. It's not just a, a Mark Boone or a Mark Dean uh, district thing. This is a God thing. 
I mean, if you want to talk about the love of God for this world, so much so that he's willing to give up his son. For God so loved this world. I mean, as a father of three, I can't imagine an overwhelming love so great that I'm willing to give up William or Savannah or Amelia. And that's what he was doing. And he didn't force Jesus. Jesus, because of the love for his father, said, Father, your will, not my will. If you can take this cup, if you can take this suffering, if you can do it any other way, do it. But nevertheless, your will. And we read in Revelation, his end goal is that every tribe, every tongue, every nation would gather around the throne. If that's his end goal, is it our end goal? The passion of the the founder of the early church, the Apostle Paul, the writer of more of New Testament than anyone, he said, my greatest ambition is to plant the church where it doesn't exist, to take the gospel where it has not gone. Is that our passion? Right now, we spend less than 1% of our church resources for this passion. Right now, 42% of the world has never heard the name of Jesus Christ. They're not rejecting it. They've never had an opportunity to hear it. 7,000 people groups are still waiting for a church, for a missionary, for scripture to be written in a language that they can comprehend and understand. 70% of the people in our churches aren't aware of what I just said. Barna Research just came out with a study days ago that would say less than 17% of the people in your church could even articulate the Great Commission, the last commands of Christ. The last command before he died, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been uh, around somebody in their final days. I've been at the bedside of two people when they took their last breath, my grandpa and my sister-in-law. And the words that they spoke before they passed were not talking about the weather It wasn't talking about something fleeting or temporal. They talked about what was the center of their heart. And Jesus, knowing that these are my final words to my disciples, not not a group of missionaries, not a group of people that are like passionate about the Great Commission. He said, if you're my follower, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So this isn't like an AG, Assemblies of God thing. This is a God thing. Come on. Like this Great Commission is something that like, shouldn't be a, just a department of a church. It should be the laser single eye focus of the entire church. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We can't just say, oh, my mission field is Jerusalem and forget about the ends of the earth because Jesus didn't forget about it. So we can't overlook one and just focus on the other and vice versa. We can't just say we're global and we, don't, we forget about the community around us. And so what we have uh, strived to do, if, if that's the right way to say it, is how do we infuse this global passion heart into the life of a church? The first thing Jesus taught his disciples is where you put your treasure, your heart is going to go. So where are you putting the first part of your resources? So River Valley decided, even in the foundation of the church, to say the first 10%. So we ask people to tithe 10%, but the first 10% that comes into River Valley is set aside to give away to missionaries around the world. Because where you put your treasures, your heart's going to go. And if the treasure is for yourself and your own buildings and your own staffing and all that, and all those things are good and necessary, but where you put that first fruit, where you put the, the, that first part, I think, 
is going to indicate where your heart is going to go and where it's going to follow, as Jesus said, where you put your treasure. So we set aside the first 10% to support uh, a number of missionaries. And it starts out and it's scalable. But now for River Valley, it's about a thousand different missionaries every single month uh, are supported. Um, Why don't you talk about the five spots? We're just going to get to rapid fire ideas that we use to try to get this passion, this heart into the local church. Yeah, we've got a, uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of ideas, and the hope is that something, if at Q&A time, it, it comes up to you that you want to ask more about it, or there's any kind of resource we could share. Again, we don't claim to have it all figured out, but it's helpful to show what, what, um, just what, what are we doing, and then for you to be able to see, and maybe it sparks an idea um, in you. But, I, but to reiterate that, that, that decision, and that I'll even use the word conviction, because it's not just a decision, that, that just like the church tithes, that we as a local church tithe on uh, what comes in and that that tithe goes towards missions. I think they, I don't know the word other than blessing. I think God has used that to bless uh, missionaries, to bless the kingdom, to bless our church uh, in pretty, uh, pretty amazing ways. I think that's, it's one of those things that's not as, it's not as like maybe interesting of a strategy, but it certainly is something that that, that, that has been a core conviction is, um, is pretty incredible. So let me add to that too. So, there are churches that I believe are doing it, but they don't disciple or they don't teach it. And I think that's a miss. And the reason I think that is a miss is because people are looking for an example as the pastors, as the leaders, as the elders or whatever role. If, if you get up and say, hey, we are not just asking you to tithe, but as individuals and leaders, we tithe. Um, but then with what the church receives, we tithe. What that does is it sets a model for business leaders and business owners who are responsible for more than just their personal income, but they're responsible for the corporate earnings or the business uh, revenue. And so now River Valley, because we talk about it, and this isn't the intent, but you'll see the, the outflow of it, people aren't just bringing in a personal check that said, hey, this is a tithe of my monthly income or whatever, but they're bringing in checks that represent their corporate income because they're responsible for all of what God has put under their care, just like the pastors and leaders. So it, it, I wouldn't say it's normal, but it's not uncommon, if I can say it that way, for somebody to bring in a personal check and then a corporate check that's 10 to 100 times greater. So when you model it, the people in your church have the faith to follow the model, the example. Yes. Do you also ask people to pledge towards missions beyond what the church gives? So yeah, so we do a thing called Kingdom Builders, which is giving above the tithe. So we say that the tithe is that first step of obedience to honor the Lord with what he has entrusted to us by returning the 10%. We know it's all God's, but Mm -hmm. that first 10% is an acknowledgement to say, God, I recognize that everything I have from you is from you and I'm giving back. But we tell people, that's just the starting point. We want to be generous on all occasion, as generous as he is with us, with grace and mercy and goodness. Like, we're blessed to be a blessing. And when you read that verse in Genesis, a lot of people stop there and say, I'm blessed to be a blessing. But read the rest of the verse. Abraham's saying, I'm blessed to be a blessing so that all nations may hear. There is a global perspective on that blessing. And if that blessing is just for us and our comfort and our, you know, convenience here, you've missed the point of that blessing so that all nations. So we tell people to go above and beyond that. 
through Kingdom Builders, which is projects and initiatives and missions giving above and beyond that. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. But yes, uh, we don't do the typical faith promise, although it's very similar to that, where we pe tell people to make a dream or set a goal, have a dream, and then have a vision you know, of, of what, what God could do if he blessed you in, in, in big ways. Um, so, but That's with great. that thousand missionaries or whatever number of missionaries that are supported with that, we do a thing called uh, Five Spots. Why don't you talk about a minute? Yeah, uh, so it, it, Five Spot is really a, a, it's a five minute spotlight, right? So this, this, you may be familiar with that concept, but we'll do, we'll do Five Spots and we are, um, we across our, across, we call it the house, we're multi-site church in so multiple locations, but across our church 30 to 40 times a year. Uh, which which works out to be depending on the location or campus. You may have uh, four to ten or twelve times a year you're going to have a five spot, which is when a, a missionary, a supported missionary from our church will come, uh, and they're going to share about uh, maybe how they got there, what, what how God's utilizing them, how we can partner with them, and it's a way of a tangible way uh, of keeping not only missions work but specific missionaries in front of our church. And so it doesn't have to be a special uh, weekend about the message doesn't have to be about missions. It can fit into anything that we're doing. And so a few things we do when we do these uh, five spots is we, this is a, we, it's a, it's a tradition for our church and one where when a missionary comes onto the platform, uh, we have the entire church stand. Uh, and we don't do that because they're holy people, but we do that in order to honor their obedience, right? They're being obedient to a calling that is so important to the church. And so we want to honor that, that obedient. We try to do, uh, we'll do added things. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, line up people to go out to lunch with them afterwards. So sometimes it's someone that this would be a great chance for them to meet a missionary in the, pers in, in the flesh and ask questions, things of like that. We, we're do we, we try to host them well and show that value, right? We offer, uh, especially for those that are out of town, we're offering a chance to stay at a, a hotel. Uh, they're able to stay at with a gift basket. Uh, we also guarantee, this is big, we, we do guarantee an offering for them. So, um, and I'm not sure always, this is where I'm kind of learning, I'm not sure if they're always aware of a guarantee, but so that you know, we, uh, we guarantee an offering for them that when a, when a missionary comes onto our, uh, onto our platform, it's, it's either a set amount, a minimum amount, or uh, it's the offering, whatever is greater, right? So, um, so do, you, do we talk about that or do you want to? Yeah, I, I know there's missionaries in the room, so they'll, they'll get to hear this, but uh, we have various sizes of campuses. We have a campus of several thousands and we have campus in the hundreds. So if a person steps on a stage at several thousands, you would presume that the offering might be much larger. Although statistics show the larger the crowd, the smaller the offering statistically. It's uh, herd mentality. Everyone thinks somebody else is going to do it. Um, yeah. This is true. <laughs> this has been studied. Yes, everyone thinks in a large crowd, everyone else surely is going to do it. In a small crowd, everyone looks around and says, I got to do something or, you know, so anyways, but we don't want somebody feeling like if I'm at a big campus or a small campus, so we, minim we minimally commit to, I think the average missionary offering is $300. Um, and so we would just want to do far beyond that. So we guarantee a minimum of 3000. So we want to do 10 times the, the average offering or whatever offering is larger. And so we work that into the budget, but typically the response from, from the church is, is much larger than that. Uh, we would have those same missionaries then go into kids' church and share what they're doing in kids' church because we want the next generation to be hearing 
about the needs and the opportunities and the testimonies and the celebration and, and some of the challenges and all that. And so immediately they would walk off the stage there, then they'd go into Go Kids. And when they walk into Go Kids, they're going to get a standing ovation. And again, as Jesse said, it's not, we're not celebrating because they live in another country. We're celebrating radical obedience, which is something that we're all supposed to do, right? It's not just people that go to other, but we're supposed to be radical in our obedience to whatever Jesus asks us right. to do. And so it's a teachable discipleship moment to illustrate, guys, we are all called to be a part of the Great Commission. What are you doing that's radical like they're doing? And so we want to teach that uh, to our kids. Um, we also invite missionaries to share within our life groups. So we have a series of life groups. Some are focused on missions. Some are just general, generic, you know, uh, life groups or small groups that would focus on marriage or whatever. But we want to try to get as many missionaries into those groups to talk about their world, their context, their challenges uh, as well. Uh, that's more than just a five-minute spotlight and share a little bit more of the story. So uh, do you want to mention yeah. another one? And if at any point you want to just stop us, again, this is super casual, so if you want to interject question, we are going to try to stop 15 minutes early just for Q&A to maybe camp out on a few more questions that maybe weren't totally clearly totally. Uh, communicated. But if while we're sharing, you did have a question, feel free to raise your hand and we can uh, interject at that time. Yeah, we're, uh, a couple other things we're doing using uh, virtual teams. Uh, so these are teams over Zoom. We'll talk more about that later, but to engage more people, especially broadly into our church, into missions. Um, we, we send, our, our aim is 50 global teams a year around the world. We, we'd like to see that even increase. Uh, but even in, in 2021, uh, uh, you know, there were more domestic and virtual as that, uh, with that ratio. But every year we've sent international teams and we're, and we're always endeavoring to send more, uh, more and more. We have a, 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 we call it a core group, but it's a type of small group that we would say we want everyone in our church to go through is why we call it a core group. So we have a, we have a missions focused small group um, and a course on something called Disciple U, which is a, um, it's a, it's a platform for people to, to take their steps in discipleship and to learn and to grow. Uh, and so the core group will utilize, uh, really it's about understanding uh, your role in missions, the theology of missions, the biblical basis of missions. Why does it matter uh, for the sake of each and every individual? And so um, we could talk more about it, but we use Explore uh, is a uh, center for mobilization, puts this curriculum together. It's very uh, affordable and available uh, to utilize. Yeah, it's Explore. So not EX, it's Explore. It is probably one of the best biblical missions foundation. You guys have maybe heard of the course called Perspectives. It's a very long, intensive, actually, uh, it's not cheap to go through. Explore is basically a condensed cliff note version of uh, Perspective. It is so good. It's a seven week. You literally get the book and you can, as a uh, facilitator or a teacher of it, go through. It's got incredible statistics, got incredible websites to uh, take you, know, you on a journey if you want to go dirt deeper. Um, but we use that as one of our core curriculums for our core life groups uh, at, at River Valley. And it is a real eye-opener. Uh, I had some, a, a gal that we were interviewing for a spot. Uh, she was like, man, I went through Explore. It was like the best punch in the face that I needed. And like, it just wakes you up to the realities of the world and the unreached and those that have never heard the gospel. And, uh, and so if, if you aren't familiar with it, the Center for Missions Mobilization, oh, 
creates this uh, book called Explore, uh, and just you can Google it, you can look it up. Uh, there's a PDF that's free, um, but it's, it's really, really good. Uh, let me go back to global teams. That's what we call short-term mission trips. Um, we don't believe that short-term missions trips is the end-all be-all, that we're going to change a country or change a nation or change a community in 10 days. We recognize that what happens in us is probably far more great uh, than what we're going to contribute. But if it's the beginning of a lifelong generosity, heart shift, global worldview change, it can be pivotal and monumental. And so we think it's well worth the investment to send people to where the Great Commission doesn't, isn't just somebody else's story on the stage, but it's their story, it's our story, and there's probably not a better way to get that infused into somebody's heart and mind than actually getting to see it uh, firsthand. And so we're very intentional how we do it. We're very intentional uh, with the missionaries that we work with. We never just drop into a place without a host that's invited us, that wants us, that knows how to use the gifts and the talents that are on the team. And I think that's a critical component for a good experience uh, because a good experience can make or break it. If you have a bad experience, it can leave a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah. If it's a good experience, it can be a catalyst for incredible good. And, uh, and when we actually had somebody uh, from Target Corp that goes to our church study our data on the re result of a short-term missions trip, on somebody's generosity. So what effect does going on a short-term trip have on somebody and their pocketbook? So they studied the data and they came back and, and, and they, they asked me if I wanted to guess and I said, sure, I think it doubles. And they said, you're not even close. Triples, nope. Quadruples, nope. Five times greater, nope. Six times greater, nope. Seven times greater generosity and giving. That's what can happen when it moves from your head to your heart. I mean, every parent knows this is true. I make the joke that before I had my own kids, when somebody would ask me to watch their kids, I would ask, how many seconds or minutes are we talking? You know, like, you want me to watch your kids for how many seconds or how many minutes, right? But when it's my own kids, I'll do anything for them. I'll take a bullet. A kid is a kid. Nope. A kid that has your heart is... Every, I mean, it changes when, when, when it's in your heart, everything changes. And we think short-term trips, when done well with a great missionary host, totally. can be a heart-changing, world-changing perspective. And then we shifted to these virtual global teams during the pandemic, which we'll talk a little bit more about towards the end, uh, that are way more accessible and way more effective than we ever uh, <laughs> uh, expected them to be, and is going to be something that I think we're going to do far beyond uh, the end of this pandemic. Um, and so we'll talk more about that. Um, but um, Jesse, why don't you mention one more of the things here? We're yeah. flipping over the page. Um, talk about maybe a few other ways that we totally. highlight uh, global project or missions efforts. Yeah, we do a, uh, so we have an offering appeal every weekend. Uh, and this is not unusual for, for church, but it gives us this opportunity to, it's, it's very missions minded, right? For the tithe and our above and beyond giving. So essentially, as Justin talked about, and we won't spend too much time talking about that giving. I know there's a lot of pieces, but you really have tithe and then above and beyond, which is kingdom builders. So both of those two things have missions focuses, mission elements to them, right? We tithe, we tithe on the tithe. We talk about that. So just having those, um, having those appeals gives you an opportunity to be intentional 
with them. We have a global project highlight uh, at our all staff meeting every month. So we're intentional with our own staff, with our, our, our own team that we're keeping missions and stories and kingdom impact uh, in front of our team. Uh, that's, that's incredible. Staff can go on a global team. As he said, that's what we call our short-term mission trips. They can go on a global team and not have it count against their personal vacation. Uh, so even something as small as we may not be able, we may not be paying for them to go, but we can give them time to show that uh, we support this. Right? We're trying to do what we hope other employers would do. And when someone goes on a, uh, on a, on a trip that isn't like a vacation like this, that's service-based, that, uh, that they would be able to have the time to do so as well. Um, we also have a, uh, we have a visible presence for missions in our lobby. So at each campus, uh, we've got a spot. We can, for ours, it's a global project display, we call it. But there's something so that uh, a, a, a physical representation of missions exists in our lobby as a way to continually remind that this is not just a part of what we do, but this is central to what we're doing as a church. Anything you want to jump in, feel free. Um, yeah, I'd say there's, there's lots of opportunities and ways to just infuse this Great Commission passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, even at our annual business meeting, we're going to talk about the missionaries that we're supporting and the work that they're doing around the world. And uh, like Jesse said, when you walk into the campus, any one of the campuses, whether it's a portable campus or a, uh, a you know, permanent location, within seconds of walking in, you're going to see a physical representation of our heart and the global focus uh, that is, exists there. It's not just uh, a side department. It is really infused in every, every department and every age group and dev- demographic within, within uh, our church. Um, every Tuesday we pray uh, for a list of needs uh, within our church for different leaders in our church, for different leaders in our community and in our nation. But we also are going to list a couple missionaries that we are praying for, list their names, their kids' names, the location. And so just the intentionality to keep it in front of people's minds. And, uh, and then we encourage people that if you've got their number or email, shoot them an email or shoot them a text message to say, hey, we just prayed for you today. I can tell you the lifeline of that encouragement to a missionary speaks volumes. I know a very well-known missionary that says that they have about 600 people on their email list. Listen to this, about 600 people. The average response to that mass email is two. So 600 people that love her, support her, are behind her, she sends us out and crickets. Just a simple thinking about you, prayed for you, thanks, love you, don't quit, keep going, proud of you. That, like two out of 600, you do the math on that? I don't know what the math on that's a bad percentage. (laughs) But like, think about that. So just the intentionality, quick text, quick email, whatever, can be a lifeline to keep keep the wind in the sails, that they aren't forgotten. Um, you know, we're, we're on our devotional app. We have a UPG or an unreached people group that we're praying not for a specific person, but for a group of people. Um, and so we're just looking for, for different ways to infuse it. We also do it within our uh, kids area. We talked about yep. uh, the uh, intentionality of missionaries that come and speak to our adults, also speak to our kids. But our kids raise money for BGMC. Most of you are probably aware of Boys and Girls Missionary Campaign, I think is what it's challenge. called now. Our challenge. 
campaign, whatever. Oh, maybe it's campaign. Yeah, no, I don't no. know. Um, do we know what it yeah, is? Yeah, no, it's not crusade. That's what I know. <laughs> we're, we're going woke. We're not, we're not campaign or not crusade. It's campaign. We'll do, what is it? Challenge. challenge. It's awesome. It's challenge. Just ask the missions pastor, yep. guys. He's going to know. He's going to know. <laughs> so, but we ask our kids, and, and I tell this fun story about uh, my son William. A couple of years ago, he and I were just driving in, in, in the car, and it was just he and I. We didn't have any music on, and he's a funny, he's like, you have those kids that are just genuinely funny. They're not looking for attention. They're not trying to be funny. They just, the way they talk is funny, and they just, you know, not how it sounds, but just the things they say. And he's just that kind of a kid. And we're sitting in the back, he's sitting in the back in his little car seat. And um, out of the stillness, quiet of the car, he's like, Dad, let's go rob a bank. <laughs> I'm like, what, is, what are our kids' pastors teaching and discipling these kids, you know? And uh, obviously, as a parent, I know it's my responsibility. But uh, he was like, why? I was like, buddy, I was like, well, we're not going to rob a bank, but why do you want to rob a bank? And he goes, well, that's where all the money is, right? And I said, yeah, very little of it's ours, like most of it's other people's, but and dad doesn't want to go to jail, but what do you want to do with the money when we get the money if, if we were to go rob the bank? And he goes, I just want to help more missionaries. And we got to work on the methodology of like, <laughs> got to teach him about entrepreneurship or a job or hard work or stuff like that. Honesty. Our honesty, that's a good point too there. Uh, but I love the idea that this little kid, six years old, is dreaming about how to help more missionaries. That's good. Yeah. Like that's a beautiful thing. We got to redirect them on some other things, but like <laughs> this idea of if the next generation is not dreaming about an Xbox or dreaming about a this or that or you know their next pair of whatever shoes or and and he does that certainly obviously, but the fact that these next generation kids are dreaming about how can we help more missionaries? Uh -huh. How can we get the gospel to people that haven't heard? And so um, we have internships and we send all of our juniors and seniors in high school on a missions trip for free through Kingdom Builders. So we raise the money as adults to say we believe in the next generation and we're going to provide the resources so you can see that there's a bigger world, there's a bigger need, there's something bigger than just what you can see and experience. And, uh, and so if they meet the criteria, which is not an overwhelming set of criteria, it's just a standard set of criteria, that if they meet that, uh, we'll send all of our juniors and seniors every other year on a missions trip so that they can see a bigger perspective of the world. Um, so do you want to talk about the care system that we have and, yeah. and the map and that? And then yeah, we'll so that's a little bit of like general practices along with some ideas with the next generation. Uh, I'll share a couple ideas before we go on to virtual teams. We'll share a couple ideas about how to care for and, and create support systems for missionaries. Uh, I, we call it the bullseye for our church, but to send 500 missionaries from our church is uh, that would be uh, the key vision uh, and 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 legacy <coughs> sustained vision for our church. And so, uh, with that, we're finding the need that not just for a church that has a vision to send, but it, for any church that has missionaries uh, that you support that you're a part of, is how do you also care for them? What do, what is the way that we also try to support them, come alongside them, care for them? Uh, so there's 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 different ways uh, we'll do that, but we we do create. First off, is you want to create the invitation for uh, the reality to go that as a local church, uh, again, we're not just relying on, well, let's let other churches send people. Let's let other missions organizations find people to send. But uh, that we will give regular invitations for people to 
uh, to say, that might be me, or I want to learn more about that, or maybe I'm supposed to go. Uh, and to create a, create a process for people, ours is as easy as, as texting in uh, a number, but there's, there's, but there's multiple ways we're trying to ask and to discern and help people that feel like they maybe uh, are supposed to re uh, respond to a call in missions to go. Uh, we have something called, we call the Missionary Action Plan, the MAP. Uh, and this is something that, we, that, that we've created, and Pastor Justin really um, has come forward with a lot of research and collaboration with, with missionaries longstanding to come up with this. But there's, there's a process that, we, uh, that's, that in, in one sense is a training, and it's, a, um, uh, it's kind of an infusion of those that are, that are discerning whether they should go, that are going, about how to be well prepared. Uh, but it's also something that helps, uh, that, that, that brings you into this, okay, this is getting more real. Okay, what does it look like to really be on the field? And it creates opportunities for you that are going to help prepare you at the local church level uh, as, you, uh, as you go, knowing that you will, you, will, you will pair with a sending agency, you will be part of uh, as those go. But as a local church that supports those, we want to be as, uh, as supportive uh, as possible. Uh, we have missions houses as well, and I'll let you speak into any of these things, but we have missions houses as well. Uh, and so some of these... Um, uh, primarily, a lot of these, they've been donated to the church or they're, they're used by the church, but they're a space for itinerating missionaries to be able to go to uh, in order to help them get on the field faster, right? It's a place to be able to, uh, to be and to, and to stay and to live in, and we could talk more about that um, as well, but utilizing those has been a great blessing. We provide care for our missionaries who are on the field, uh, try to supplement their sending agency care. So we have a uh, we have we have a team. We actually have a, a husband-wife uh, pastoral duo that are that a part of what their role in River Valley is missionary care in there. Um, and and there's some we've rolled out. Some we're looking to to get more into this. But realizing how do we care for our missionaries specifically for now those that are sent out from our church. But realizing we want to provide uh, support uh, and care for those uh, across those that, those uh, across those the, the house that we support. But realizing how, how frequently should we check in? What kind of questions should we be asking? How do we support them? It's, it's emotionally, it's going to be relationally, it's spiritually. How, how are we as a local church realizing they are a part of our church? Just because they live in another country doesn't mean that they're no longer a part of our congregation, that they're not a part of our church. So being intentional in doing that. Let me uh, say this. If you want any resource or need some clarity, if you email globalproject just one project, like one great commission, global project at rivervalley.org. We can send you uh, any of these for $9.99 a month. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> There's no cost to any of this. None of it's copyrighted. Uh, we can share any of it. The missionary action plan is a four-step process for people trying to figure out, am I supposed to be a missionary? That we can give to you. Any of our global team material, any of our uh, life group material, uh, any of that, we, we're happy to share the resources that we have. So if you just email globalproject at rivervalley.org, happy to get you to the right person and, uh, and share those resources. Let me just take quick three, four minutes and explain what a virtual missions trip or a virtual global team is, and then we'll open it up for Q&A the last 15 minutes here. So early on in the pandemic, we had canceled 32 missions trips, 32 global teams, refunded nearly $2 million of trips. Borders got shut down, couldn't leave your home in some cases, couldn't certainly get out of the borders. Yep. And, uh, and we're like, how do we keep people connected 
to the heart of what our missionaries on the front lines are a part of and doing. The mission hasn't changed. The mission hasn't stopped. How do we connect this? And so I just, I just talked to one of our missionary partners in Saudi Arabia and in Iraq, and I said, would you just try doing a virtual, like a Zoom call for like a couple consecutive days, maybe three consecutive days, and just tell us about your story. Tell us about the culture. Tell us about how you do missions there. And uh, we'll invite a group of people. We'll make it a virtual missions trip. People are fairly familiar with like Zoom or you know Google Meet or whatever. And so we'll try this. So we did, and we set up a three-day format we got up very early in the morning because then it was late at night for Saudi Arabia and Iraq. So for three hours in the morning, we met. And the first day, we simply just, there's about 30 of us that went via Zoom, all from their home or their, uh, we didn't meet together. Like everyone just Zoomed together, uh, you know, from their own location. And uh, some were in the office, some were at home, some were in their PJs, some were, you know, whatever. And we zoomed into Iraq for about an hour, and then we zoomed into uh, Saudi Arabia for an hour. And the first day, we just learned their story. How did they end up from Burnsville, Minnesota to Basra, Iraq? Take me on that journey. And so the first day was just their story. Second day is, tell us about your context. I don't know what life is like in Basra, Iraq. I don't know what life is like in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, to learn that only six months ago are women allowed to drive. Did you know that? Did you know that in Saudi Arabia the number one drink is Mountain Dew? I didn't know that. They're all amped up on Mountain Dew there for some reason. I didn't know Mountain Dew still existed, you know. Whatever. So very culture. The third day was about ministry and, and, and the missiology and presenting the gospel within their context. Fascinating, amazing missionary hosts, very capable of, of painting a picture for us. They actually each day, uh, on the second day when they did the cultural context and kind of told us about uh, their community, uh, we actually zoomed uh, through their neighborhood, uh, went into a mosque, uh, you know, went into a market. So we actually got to see the GoPro, you know, all that. So it's very fascinating. At the end of it, I asked these 30 people, my wife and I hosted it, at the end of the, the, the three-day experience, I asked uh, the group, I said, we want feedback before we do this again, if we're going to do it again. Tell me if it was good or bad or whatever. Really genuinely want good feedback. And this lady uh, in her mid-60s, who has been on 13 missions trips over the course of her life, said this was the best missions trip I've ever been on in my life. That's what I said. I was like, okay. Thanks for the compliment, but I need you to unpack that and explain that because I don't understand. I've traveled, you know, all around the world, and there's a lot that's lost just via screen. I said, explain that to me. She goes, well, think about it. On a missions trip, so much of your time is consumed with just getting there and then getting home. Sometimes you're sleeping in a hostel or a hotel room or whatever, and your roommate you don't really like if you're going to be honest. So it's kind of a negative you may not really feel good because some of the food doesn't settle well. And so now you're trying to fight the feelings of like, where's the nearest bathroom and all that. So she's describing some of the realities and challenges. She goes, I have never heard for 10 hours somebody's story, the missiology, the culture, the context. Sure, there's a lot lost, but there's a lot gained as well. 
So we've just started to try to adapt and learn more about how to add value to these trips. Uh, one of the things that we've done is added a choose your own adventure card. So we send everyone a choose your own adventure card where you can pick how, how intense you want this experience to be. For example, one of the choose your own adventures is like do a Ramadan fast. From sunup to sundown, don't let anything touch your lips. Have you ever tried that? Muslims do that for 30 days straight. And they're trying to seek their approval of their God. We, I mean, if you, when you try that, and I tried it, I didn't, I got to like five or six o'clock, uh, and I wish the sun had come soon, sun went down <laughs> sooner. But um, when you realize that that's what people are doing to achieve the grace that Jesus offers us so freely, grace takes on a whole nother meaning. And your empathy for people trying to earn salvation and earn the grace and earn the favor of their God changes. And that was just one day, not 30 straight days. So that's one. Another is like learn a Bollywood dance and put it up on TikTok. <laughs> that's a good marketing tool, right? So you can do learn how to make a Vietnamese meal or try to uh, establish a relationship or with somebody from a different culture. So. We've tried to do this. Now we've had hundreds of people, dozens of virtual teams go out. And I think it's a tool that's not just temporary, but a tool that's actually going to use to help expose people to the world of missions in a, in a greater way. So we're happy to share that with you. But I just want to pause, see if there's any questions about anything that we've commented on and uh, some nuggets that we've thrown out there. Hopefully this has maybe spurred some good ideas uh, for you. And uh, as you're thinking of a, maybe a question, let me just say this. I, I am a huge, huge proponent of operating with the blessing of the leadership of your church. You can try to push something, and if the leaders aren't ready for it, if they aren't embracing it, or maybe their vision looks a little different, don't push too hard because it may break and actually like, be counterproductive. Like, you can, you can push a little bit, but do it in an honoring, loving way. Pastor Rob, our lead pastor, says I'm like gasoline to his fire. Um, like, he's passionate about it. And when I pour ideas or thoughts, or Jesse pours ideas or thoughts, it just like makes it glow hotter, right? He's already excited about it. But I know some pastors and some leaders and some boards or some leadership structures, they're still warming up to it. And so warm up at the pace. You can push respectfully and honoring um, don't like just throw up your hands and say, forget this, our pastor doesn't care about lost people. That's not true. They're just on a different journey. And God has brought you there to maybe be a little fuel, to maybe be a little bit of an agitation in a respectful, honoring way. And so don't take these ideas and just run and say, if we don't do 10%, we don't care about the law. You know, like be wise, be patient, be graceful. Uh, God has put them in a leadership position for a purpose and put you in that context for a purpose as well. And so to make sure you do it in an honor and respectful way. So, uh, Keith. For you above and beyond like missions giving, how does that compare to the tithe? And then um, what are some quick things that you, what are some things that you do to help them with that? So the district here is helping, uh, is hosting what we call a generosity accelerator in early June. I think it's June 7th or 8th. It's an all day, it's free. It's actually underwritten by Assemblies of God World Missions. I think it's hosted at our Apple Valley campus. 
uh, Pastor Rob, myself, and a small team of us will actually walk through everything we do with Kingdom Builders. And so you're welcome to come to that. Um, but in terms of comparison, um, our Kingdom Builders is about a third uh, um, of our entire church budget. So um, it's, 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 it was $10.4 million this year, and our budget this year as a church was $30 million. So, way beyond the 10%. Oh, it's, yes, it's 30% more. more. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that does not include our 10%. So, that 10 million does not include trips. We don't count trips in any missions giving. Uh, We just think that's a zero sum. They're paying for their experience, and that's it. So, we don't count that towards our missions giving credit or something like that. Um, and we don't count that in, in Kingdom Builders either. Kingdom Builders is above and beyond. 10% is just what we have a core conviction, like Jesse said. So it's above and beyond that. Great question. Are there any concerns? Um, right off, I get an email from a missionary and it says, do not forward. Or I guess I assume you can't apply either. Or maybe it's just a, a mess. Yeah, it's a great question, and, and I think the sensitivity, and um, I try to follow the tone of what they're communicating. So if they choose not to use the word missionary, but overseas worker, or some, I watch for the cues. If they don't say gospel, if they don't say Jesus, then I don't say it. If they use, uh, like, uh, asterisks or, uh, you know, code in their email, then I'll do that back. But you could just say, thinking about you, thanks for the email. But I know a lot of our missionaries do have to be very sensitive, but a lot of them also have encrypted email, you know, servers uh, or services. And so, uh, but I think that is something we have to be careful with. But I think an acknowledgement that you received it is okay. I don't know if there's a missionary that would like to speak to that, but um, I think just the acknowledgement of thanks, thinking about you is, is a good, would you guys agree? Just a, a great to hear from you. Enjoy hearing your story, and we're thinking about you. If you don't want to use the word praying because you're concerned, yeah, you know you can you can be discreet, caring, yeah, without breaking yeah. The boundaries. Yeah, that's great, Gene. Thanks. Just choose carefully who you have in mind. Yeah. Yes. Other questions? I think we got about five, five, seven more minutes here. Can I just do? Two quick testimonies? Uh, sh- sure. D- let me see. Do we have questions? Right, go for it, Jean. From, I did not grow up AG. I did not grow up seeing missionaries across the stage. If you have people in your church that are coming from our culture that don't even know what missionaries are, I thought missionaries had to be super spiritual gods. <laughs> and for me... A big game changer for me was seeing regular people go across that stage mm. and be able to realize that they can be an inspiration to people. You know, my husband and I, now we get the, your gray hair inspires us, that, <laughs> that God's not through with us yet. Mm. So, you know, doing a five spot, to bring people, regular people across the stage so people are used to it. I didn't grow up with 
with missionaries coming to my Sunday school. And again, I, I was under that misconception. The second thing was um, global team changed the trajectory of, of our life. Mm. Um, my husband got his call in Havana, Cuba, and he came home and told me we're going to go be missionaries, and I told him he was out of his mind. <laughs> <laughs> and today I'm humbled to be serving in Turkey. Amen. So. Awesome, Gene. If you can put together trips so that people can go out there, like you said, just changes everything. And bring people into your church. Get them to come into your churches. And it doesn't have to be the whole service and all of that. But just to have those five spots so that people can see real live people that are not perfect. Yeah. That have just said, God, whatever you want. Yeah, it's good. It's good, Gene. That's good. Last chance. Any other question, thought, or? When is that generosity? I want to say it's June seventh or eighth um, at River Valley. Yep. It's called a Generosity Accelerator. Um, yeah. If you email Global Project, uh, you know, let me look at my calendar. I've got it on my calendar. So, um, who can come to that? Anyone. Anyone is welcome to come to that. It's not just pastors. Oh no. I would highly, highly recommend uh, senior leadership being there because it is it would require a massive change within your church or how you do missions. Um, so it's probably, but but if it's something that they're not, you're welcome to come and just absorb it and hear it. Um, but uh, and as he pulls that up too, I'll share. If there's anything that's a resource or something you would like to discuss further. Like he said, you and we're you know we've said it before, but just so that you do know, we do mean it. So, globalprojectatrivervalley.org. If you email that, like for instance, the virtual teams we talked about. What's great is they can be they can be spun up so much easier than other types of teams, and we have guides for both the leader for the host. We've put some things together that helps frame that both for those that are on the other side of the call and the uh, the leader uh, that's going to put it together. Which, by the way, does not have to be a pastor. It doesn't. A lot of our best team leaders. Uh, are their lay leaders, right? They're volunteers that have a heart for uh, heart for missions. So, I want to say thank you to you, to you guys. These are some of our leaders in the district that are teaching other pastors and, and things. But I also want to say that don't be don't don't just sit and say, "Well, that's a big church that'll work there." One of our smallest churches, one of the most depressed areas in the land. They give 15% of their income to missions. Yeah, praise God. Every year. That's awesome. Um, we, just start, we just finished up um, an interim in a little town up north and instituted 10% income to missions straight off. And you say, oh, I don't think our budget can do that. And uh, in earthly principles, it can't. <laughs> in kingdom principles, that's good, no, Pastor. You, 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 you want to do it. Amen. Amen. So, Amen. thank you very much. Thanks for letting us do it. Thank you.